0: So for the last three years, we've been running what many have called is the world's largest body transformation project. We've coached 6,000 clients completely online. I may meet these clients when I'm out in town or when I'm traveling for seminars and stuff like that, but in our coaching environment, it's completely online. They don't necessarily have a personal trainer. We don't meet with them. We just deliver our coaching information online. There's 6,000 of them in the last three years and we're enrolling new clients at a rate of about 4,000 a year now. And those clients have lost over 120,000 pounds. And I wanted to just show you some examples here. I've got some male and female examples. So this dude, Adam here, lost about 52 pounds in six months. Remember, this is completely online. He doesn't have a personal trainer. I'm not meeting with him three or five times a week. I'm just giving him some exercise strategies, giving him some nutrition tips, and he's doing the work. We've got Brian here who lost about 32 pounds in six months but had obviously a very radical transformation. We've got this guy here, six months, 36 and a half pounds. He started out looking very average and now he's totally ripped. Trevor here started out way heavier than some of the other guys, lost about 67 and a half pounds in 10 months. Scott here, gotta apologize for the undies, but Um, Lost about 61 pounds in 10 months. Yano here, 75 pounds in about a year. I always joke with Yano, I'm like, dude, you went from like Homer Simpson (laughs) to like, you're like, look as good as me, man. That's awesome. (laughs) And then we have some female clients here. Kim lost about 24 pounds in six months. Amy lost about 37 and a half in eight months. Here's one of our superstars. She lost about 106 pounds in nine months on the program. Patricia here, she's 55 years old, and we all know that postmenopausal women shouldn't be able to get in shape. She lost about 54 pounds in a year. That woman's awesome. We did a profile piece on her. Nate Green over here is one of our writers for Precision Nutrition. He did an awesome profile on her. This woman like pushes sled down her neighborhood streets, and she's built a whole garage gym and stuff. I actually wanted to send her a special gift for doing so well in the program and I was like, what do you want? And she's like, I want a power rack for my house. (laughs) This is like some of our moms, you know what I mean? She's like, I want the power rack. Kia here lost about 61 pounds in 12 months. Carrie here, she's like hamming it up, she lost about 82 pounds in 12 months. I don't have any muscle gain pictures. Sorry, I didn't upload those because I wanted to just focus on this and get to the point. So the point isn't how awesome we are, but the point is that none of this would have been possible without understanding change psychology. These people, we helped in this way because we've learned how to help people change, how to help them get through difficult habit change. We learned how to help them stick to a program when their motivation wanes. We learned how to get through all these little stumbling blocks associated with going through this process of getting fit. And one of the things we're most proud of, I love showing the before and after pictures obviously because they're startling in some cases, but when we compare the compliance in our program to the compliance with prescription medication, we're really proud of these numbers. Exercise in the lean eating program about 70% compliance. So every exercise session we tell people to do, they do about 7 out of every 10. And remember, they're not meeting us supervised. The nutrition in the program, they're doing about 72% of the, the habits that we ask them to do. Question, go ahead. Uh, Basically, we have a custom online platform that we've developed. So every day, our clients log in, and we give them an exercise prescription for the day, a nutrition habit, and a lesson, and then we ask them to report on it. So it's self-reported data. I mean, they could be lying to us, but we actually have a really cool curve plotted, compliance versus weight loss in the program. We've had so many clients, the data's strong. We can literally say, if you comply at 60%, this is how much weight our clients lose on average. If you comply at 80%, it jumps to this. If you comply at 95%, it jumps to this. It's actually a really effective coaching tool, but it's awesome for us to know as well because we can see these drop-off points. You know? So then we can encourage people, look, when you drop below 60%, you lose half of the efficacy of the program. I don't know if these numbers look awesome to you, but they're awesome to me. If people are doing 70 to 75% of what we ask them to, in the Sessions at the gym and outside of those sessions, that's a pretty awesome accomplishment. And I hope if the program's designed well enough, that should be enough to get fantastic results. I don't ask people or need them to do 100%. I think 70% should be a threshold for getting awesome results in your program. This, for me, just to summarize it and stick it up here in huge font came from changing the focus from exercise and nutritional physiology and biochemistry to change psychology. Early in my career, I lived in that first world. Exercise science, nutritional science, I loved it, I wanted to know how things work. I was an athlete, I love working out myself, let's dig into this, right? But the problem was, I was a hobbyist who was trying to be a professional. For me, I was just like, hey man, give me more. Give me dynamic mobility stuff and give me prehab and give me strength training and hypertrophy training and all this stuff. Give me more, I'll work out all day because I love this. But if I apply that same model to my clients, it's a mistake because many of them don't love this. They don't want to do more, they want to do less. So where can I find the efficiencies? The reason most of us spend our lives in exercise physiology learning stage is because we're learning for us. If you want to be a professional, you need to also learn for your clients. And that's an area that you need to spend some time on. I hope I'm making a compelling argument here. So I want to go through some lessons, some key lessons that I learned in this change psychology realm. Obviously, I can't get into all of them today, and I posted just six books that are sort of synopses of everything. But I want to go through four key lessons that I learned. And these things should help you immediately. So the first is is what I call coach to both sides of the brain. This is kind of an antiquated model of how the brain actually works. It's not a hundred percent accurate, but I know you guys have all seen it before and it'll make a little sense as an analogy. You've heard of right brain and left brain thinkers, right? So left brain tends to be this sort of logical, analytical, relying on reason, questioning instinct, mechanistic, scientific, strategies and structure type of thinking. These are our engineers and scientists and stuff like that. They're the left-brain people. And our right-brain people, these are intuitive, artistic, relying on emotion and reason and looking for patterns and holistic and imagination and beauty. There are artists and writers and fiction writers and creative people. When we talk to our clients, which side do we normally talk to? Left. How? Give me an example. Someone just give me an example of what that sounds like. Many to take this is how many calories, this is how many... Gra- math. If you do these strategies you will lose this much weight. It's mathematic. And what if they don't follow a specific piece of advice you give them? How do we communicate our response to that to them? We usually take a rational approach. Well I just need to sit down with them and communicate the importance of managing their stress. Maybe I'll give them an article to read. This was a compelling argument for me. It's all rational, left brain stuff, right? I remember I had a client, a coaching client, we have a certification program, and one of the women who went through the program contacted me and she was like, all right, so I started with my very first client today. She was so pumped and excited about this, right? She'd just been certified, she's got all these new tools, and we have these forms, like the forms we use. So she gives them to this one female client of hers, and after a week, the client hasn't filled out the forms. So she's a little bit like, oh, all right, well, that's OK. I'll just, I'll just ask her to do it again. After another week, the client hasn't filled out the forms. Now she's super sad. She just paid like $800 for nutrition certification, and she hasn't gotten past the forms yet with her very first client. Oh, how frustrating, right? So I was like, well, what strategy are you going to use to get her to fill out the forms? And she's like, well, I just need to communicate the importance of these forms and how we can't do anymore until she fills out the forms. I think that's the wrong approach. The reason that client didn't fill out the forms isn't because her left brain thought it wasn't a good idea, it was because she had some fear or some scheduling problem or some other emotional right brain reason that was in the way. So if you talk to the left brain, she's going to go, I know, I totally, I totally get it, I know I should fill out the forms. But she's still not going to fill out the forms. So we have to talk to the right brain. One of the best books on this topic is Switch. I don't know if you guys love the book, but I I think it's one of the greatest books on behavior change, introductory books to the topic that you can find. The Heath brothers, Chip and Dan Heath, they use this analogy. Basically, when we want to change behavior, we have to look at the process, like this sort of elephant rider and path situation. So the elephant is your emotional brain, the rider is your rational brain, and the path is your environment. Let me extend the analogy to you guys. So there's a behavior change that you want to do. You want to eat more veggies, or sleep more, or not hang around toxic people, whatever it might be. The elephant, the emotional brain, is scared of almost any change. Especially if it's a big one, it looks like it's going to be hard, it conflicts with some core value that you have, whatever. And the rider, that's the rational brain, he's basically got this whip, and he's going to try and make the elephant go down that path even though it's scared. (laughs) Have you guys heard about how willpower is kind of like a muscle? Well, this analogy really illustrates it well. Now, there's data showing now that if we tax people's willpower earlier in the day and then we ask them to like, eat less food at night or something like that, the more their willpower is taxed earlier in the day, the less likely they are to control their food at night, as just an example. And the reason is because we think willpower is finite. And if you eat it all up on a different set of habits, you're not going to be able to do it for everything. And this is the greatest way of looking at this. The elephant, this guy, can he can whip the elephant. He can use all his muscles to steer the elephant down this path. Come on, big fella. But if the elephant's scared, when the rider gets tired, it's going to go the other way anyway. You get it? So our rational mind can only control the elephant for a short period of time, and it's exhausting to do. Their thing is you got to get the elephant on board as well. you got to give this guy clear instructions how to steer the elephant and what path to go down. You have to get the elephant sort of minimize some of this fear, and we'll talk about some strategies for that in a minute. And then you have to shape the path. You just have to make it less scary, and you have to make it easier to traverse. One great example that they have in the book relevant to fitness is one way to shape the path if let's say you want to start doing something like jogging in the morning. We know that's probably not the best way to start a fitness program, but let's just say that's going to be your example. One way to shape the path is to like lay out your clothes for jogging next to the bed. Right? So you wake up in the morning, you see them, you get a reminder, hey, I'm supposed to jog today. And now the excuse to, oh, I have to get changed, and it's, it's out of the way. Like your clothes are right there, you're shaping the path. That's one example. We could go over hundreds of examples. A negative example, a taking away example would be like get rid of the cookie bowl in the middle of the table in the kitchen. Shaping the path. It's less easy to get a cookie if they're put away than if they're sitting out. These are all simple, simple shaping the path examples that make a huge impact. Shaping the path alone isn't going to do it, you have to get the elephant and the rider on board. When we say things like, you know, I I try and tell my clients what to eat, but they just can't stick to it. They start off well, but they just can't stick to it. Well, that's our motivation problem, that's our rider getting tired problem. And when we say things like, I try and tell my clients what to eat, but they just never seem to listen, that's the elephant backing away instantly. It's scared, it's the emotional brain problem. How about the too many temptations at home at work? You hear about this all the time, that means the path needs shaping. So lesson number one is we need to start coaching to both sides of the brain. Instead of pleading with clients on a rational level and handing them articles, I mean that stuff can be useful. And we definitely need to point the rider in the right direction. But we also need to shape the path and we need to make sure we get this emotional brain, this right brain, this elephant, on board. We do very, very little of this in the fitness world, and if we did more of it, change would be a lot easier for our clients. Go ahead, question. The sabotage, like friends, family, co sabotage thing that we all see. I mean, it's not just clients, too. I mean, I guarantee you've all felt that at some point in your life and your own fitness path, right? Part of the reason you guys come to perform better is so you can get away from all those people and be around other people who kind of get what you're up to, right? I don't think I'm the only one in this. It's a common problem. That becomes, though, a bit of an elephant issue too, right? Because it makes you feel emotionally sad when people are grating down on you about your lifestyle choices and your weight loss or whatever the case might be. We have strategies for that. A lot of it has to do with framing self-talk and expectation setting. We actually let our clients know that this is about to happen very early in the program. So when it happens, they're like, ah, they told me this would happen, okay, rather than, What's going on here? I thought everyone was going to be on my side. Oh, maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. I think expectation setting is a huge part of this. It's part of behavior change, but it's sort of like this other thing too. It's about really understanding what your clients are about to go through and helping them cope with that. Because it's way easier when we know what's about to come and then it hits than if we don't know stuff's about to come and then it hits. We do a lot of expectation setting. We hand out articles and stuff like that. I mean, every day in our coaching program, for example, we have lessons. But the lessons aren't like, hey, I need you to learn about how sleep works and REM and whatever, right? It's about stuff like this, expectation setting, understanding what's about to happen to you, stuff like that. Okay, everyone, that's it for this week's edition of Precision Nutrition's The Complete Fitness Professional Podcast. For more information about how to become the complete fitness professional yourself and for some awesome free nutrition and coaching resources, come visit us on the web at www.precisionnutrition.com. You could also visit us on Facebook or on Twitter at InsidePN. Talk to you next time.